Welcome back to The Bloom Line. It's your host and content creator, Michelle. What's up, you guys? It has been a minute since I dropped the episode, and I know I've been saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drop one, and I didn't. I just wasn't ready to share, I guess. So, long story short, I'm still alive. I am well. I am blessed, and there's been a lot happening in life, so... Here we are, back on the podcast, continuing this healing journey, continuing this uh, journey of hearing oneself, connecting to oneself, and connecting to other people and their journeys. And I ain't gonna lie, I do miss podcasting. It's a lot of fun. And I just get a lot of support from you guys, which still, to me, is kind of like, it's an honor, you know what I'm saying? Blessed that people still message me and ask me, um, what am I putting out another podcast episode? So, woo, here we go. We got a lot to talk about. I have my journal out and we're going to get straight into the thick of what's been going on the last few months. I don't even remember when my last podcast episode was published, but I know it was with Asia <laughs> And I was getting a lot of messages about the Caucasity and the uh, Caucasian Remy (laughs) comment that she made. It was hilarious. But um, thank you, everybody who comes on to the podcast and shares their voice and experiences and journey with me and, you know, this audience. So super grateful. So thank you to everyone who has came on the bloom the bloom line all right so where should we start all right let's get right on in um so honestly i don't know where we left off with my life um so much has changed so let me try to take us back to when things started kind of Powling up and feeling like a lot. Um, I do a lot. Probably, you know, I quit my second job. That I was working at Target, which I didn't really tell them that I was quitting. I literally just didn't show up anymore. Um, it was after the um, rioting and looting was going on after George Floyd. Um, so I was, that was, that was a lot. Um, and I also took a semester off of school. And I also took a mental health leave from work at Wells Fargo. And I'm still currently on that mental health leave. So let's, let's start there, I guess. Let's start there. So, I got to the point with work where I just felt exhausted all the time. It wasn't the fact that I was waking up early and going to the gym and then going to work and like being in school and and serving in the community and, and doing things with my organization. It wasn't that. It was just eight hours of my day was extremely draining extremely draining um 
it got to the point where, you know, for an extended period of time, I was the only banker. And they cross-trained us, so I was being a teller and a banker. Um, people started quitting, and the environment became very um, strenuous. It just, you know, it just became too much. Um, I think, you know, uh, it was over a year of me trying to develop the Black and African American chapter for Utah, which is an internal um, kind of support group community for Black and African American employees. There was not one before, and so it almost took me a year, but um, as I was exiting, going on my mental health leave, that's when things actually was getting solidified, you know, which is funny. Um, but during this time, you know, there were customers referring to me as the colored girl. Another customer called me a, a Negro banker that she had never seen one before. And then she is telling me about, you know, her first Negro patient that she attended to because she was a nurse before she retired. You know, you have people making comments and asking you how comfortable you feel living in Utah, only to, to find out that they're asking you that because you're black. And they used to be the director of diversity and inclusion at a company, many companies. You know, you have customers that only say things to you because you're black. Because they don't go to someone else and say, oh, I'm so glad to see more, you know, black people around. It's so, it's so comforting. Man, for a while there, it was almost as if these situations were uh, kind of like it almost felt like it was isolating situations where it was just you and maybe you were being too sensitive and this and that and you know maybe you're making things up in your mind maybe it's not because of that and and no it was because I was black people were asking me those questions I'm pretty sure it was because I was black is why they referred to me as a Negro banker or the colored girl. But because I was the only one who would hear them or have to worry about those racially centered, you know, interactions with customers and both employees, um, it became almost like I was the problem child, you know, and I was trying to make it a racial thing until, you know, um, God allowed my branch manager to be a direct, um, you know, a person who, who experienced it, you know. But long story short, I put in my notice. I was going to quit, and I gave them a month notice. And when I gave that month notice, it was after I had found a part-time job, you know, for a wonderful company, amazing people, and I was only working part-time, you know, doing something that was 
less stressful, super easy for me to do. Doesn't take a lot of effort or work. It wasn't challenging at all. And uh, it was just a part-time job. And I had told her when I started to look for another job that I would tell her. And I did. And when I found that other job, she asked me if Wells Fargo was going to be my primary um, focus since it was my full-time job. And I, I told her no. And she asked why. I said, because God is my first priority. Wells Fargo is just a job. And quite frankly, I haven't been giving Wells Fargo, you know, 100% for maybe six months now, you know. Um, and it's not something that I haven't vocalized. Um, and it's not something I haven't communicated. Just, you know, being overextended and held to a high regard um inability to make any mistakes um in a position that I'm still very much still learning you know and for I would say 80% of my career there so far has been me just being the only banker you know for extended periods of time and so the work is not difficult. It is not challenging. I think it's more so the, the structure and leadership and communication and just certain things that just didn't align with my moral compass, you know. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It's not what I signed up for. And so after a while, I decided, you know what, I'm going to put in my my notice. Like, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm done. I'm over it. I got this part-time job, you know what I'm saying? I can figure it out. You know, I got a little bit of savings. And um, I'll figure out what the next step is for me. But for right now, this is just not working. And so I put in my notice. And next day, my district manager comes and pays me a visit. And, you know, she knew that I was thinking about maybe going part-time and moving to a teller position. But she didn't think I was going to actually quit. So we had a long conversation. And she proposed that I take a, a leave. Um, and so I looked into it and I found out that a mental health leave is covered through um, my disability, short-term disability benefits. And so guess what I did? I took it. At the time, my uncle in Florida had passed away. And so I went to do that, um, spend time with my family. And I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went on this leave still on the leave um but during this time i had found myself at a crossroad with myself i felt like i was growing and you know doing all the things that god has instructed me to do and some things i took the initiative to do on my own and I'm working i'm going to school and i'm living a full life i feel so much more present in my life but there was still this you know something dragging me down um i realized i became very anxious about a lot of things to the point where small things started to cripple me like answering emails people's phone calls text messages um going out in social settings and um, yeah, like, like 
really anxious, you know, um, and depression started to to kind of trickle back in, and it was it was hard, you know, adjusting to this culture that's here in Utah and. I think what really tripped me up the most, if I can be completely honest, is I really thought I was going to find myself in a place where they call, like, Zion. You know, if you're Christian, you understand what that means. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm about to be a part of, like, you know, this village of people who believe in Christ and love Christ and love people and... and Man, that has not been my experience here. Um, there are a few people that I can say that, man, I can feel the love of Christ through them. But uh, it's been really challenging not feeling that um, at my ward. Uh, so... Um, I'm realizing that there's just a lot of spaces that I don't trust and that I don't feel safe in and I don't feel seen. And I made the decision that I'm not gonna live like that anymore. So Will Swarco had to go because I was not seen, I was not heard, I was not valued, I was not taken seriously until they found out that I was gonna quit all of a sudden, you know, people wanted to talk and and see what they can do and offer these options and this and that but when I was on the phone with them crying my eyes out having to leave work over things you know it was like oh well you know we have a mental health line you should call you know and that was the extent of support and resources But I took this leave. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do my best to maximize this in any way that I can. And so I went to God and I was like, listen, it was one of them ugly cries, y'all. Like two, three o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep. And I was just crying. Saying, you know, I see why God has me here. I see why I am here. I see why I chose to come here. Things are going so well. Like, they really are. I am extremely blessed, you guys. Uh, Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I wonder if this is really my life that I've created for myself here. But I was crying to God and I was just saying... I'm not trying to say you and your son are not enough, but there is something going on with me that I cannot understand. I cannot control. I can't get a handle on. I can't maneuver. This thing is trying to bring me down. I don't know what it is, right? And so, like, yeah, I'm going through therapy, been through therapy for going on two years now. But there's still stuff that just don't connect with my mind. Like, it just don't make no sense. I don't know why I keep making the same decisions over and over again. Like, I don't, like, 
because I know it doesn't make any sense, but I can't stop myself from, from doing it. And it's like, the heck is going on here? So after a long talk with Jesus, I went to sleep. A few days later, you know, I get a text message from the missionaries. And it's like, yeah, we want to take you out to lunch. And, you know, they're the missionaries for a program that I'm going through for school. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Who's going to turn down a free meal? Not, not I. So let's go. And so I went out with them and we we're having a great conversation. And they bring up um, ketamine treatments. And so I had never heard the word ketamine a day in my life. Uh, till this day, I can't really even say I've researched it much, to be honest with you. Um, but what I will say is that in that moment, I felt the spirit so strongly and knew it was the next step for me. So here I am, about to take a leave from Wells Fargo. My uncle passes away. I'm headed to Florida, and I have already set up these ketamine treatments to start. When I return, I map it all out. I am real intentional about like who I want to spend time with, what I want to do, and. It was a great experience. But before I get to those treatments, um, I'm in Florida and I'm spending time with my family and my uncle had just passed away and my uncle was really the pioneer of the family, really. He was the first one to come from Haiti to America and kind of really created that entire path for my family who now lives and exists here in, in the United States to be here. So without him, like, my father wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. My brothers wouldn't be here. My cousins, like, I'm so grateful to him. And he had always been the fun uncle, the cool uncle that when our parents wouldn't let us go do anything, he would take us to the beach and he would take us to the park and he would organize our family reunions. And, man, he was a phenomenal, brilliant man. I mean, we would sit and have conversations about just all types of things. And he would always tell me I was beautiful when I was young. And man, he was amazing. Um, I miss him. I do. Super grateful for the example that he set for us um, as first generation Haitians that are, are here in America. Specifically for my family, he was a he was an exceptional example of family, of community, of like loving people and uplifting one another and being there for one another and just doing it, you know? So, anyways, after the funeral, I took myself on a hot girl city tour. <laughs> so, a hot girl summer tour, sorry, city tour. A hot girl summer tour and man that was fun if you followed me on Instagram I have it actually saved 
on Instagram. Um, so you should follow me on Instagram. It's on there. And um, I'll link it below so you guys can get to it. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, where did I go first? I went to Memphis. And then I went to Florida. And then I went to North Carolina and spent some time with my brother and his kids. Um, and then I went to Vegas because uh, Natalie is getting married next year. And let me tell y'all, that, whoa, man, like, don't go nowhere <laughs> with Natalie. <laughs> they are a trip. Oh my God, it was such a good time. She has really good friends. Um, and so that was fun. That actually was pretty fun. And her best friend is freaking amazing. Um, yeah, he was a lot of fun. But anyway, so I went to Vegas and then came back to Salt Lake City. It was super litty because, <laughs> duh. It was Gemini season. It was my freaking birthday. And again, you guys, I had planned my birthday party since January of like this year. So it was to act as a soft launch for my organization, us kind of introducing ourselves to Salt Lake City officially. And we had some of our clients there, some of our board members, our volunteer staff, some community members, some potential partner, oh, one of our partners were there, um, some potential donors and just like, you know, um, just people that were just a really good vibe. It was oh, so amazing that it went perfect. Shout out to Julene who, oh my God, helped organize everything. Taylor helped organize everything. Guy and Portia and Natalie. Like, freaking have a phenomenal team and I couldn't have done it without them but we had planned this since January and so by the time you know January like June 12th came around um I had just got back on the 10th I think or the 9th something like that and uh it was really just getting ready and I I end up like ordering my outfit three days before and I bought so many different options and I swear I ordered it but I didn't so <laughs> luckily it came on time my outfit was amazing I got my hair done while I was in Fort Lauderdale man and the person who did my hair was Elaine Elaine was my best friend in elementary school. And so while I was here in Salt Lake, before I actually went, I hit her up and asked her could she do a specific hairstyle, and she could. So I was able to reconnect with her, and I met her husband and her kids, and that was that was hella dope. So I got my hair done while I was in Fort Lauderdale, um, and then I got my nails done when I got back. Um, here, a nail plate, she's on Instagram. And um, I got my nails done while I got back. And Liz did my makeup. I had my contacts in, baby. I was, I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I was like straight, like, I ain't gonna lie. I was looking good. I ain't gonna lie. I should just pull up the photos just so that I can, like, 
so y'all can feel that energy as I'm strolling through these pictures because like it was fire it was an amazing night um my best friend came in from Fort Lauderdale my brother came in from California um it was amazing like when I say it was like close to perfect it was close to perfect it was great um, and then after that, we had bought a VIP section at this Afro, this all-white party. It was an Afro beat party. It was hella lit. It was so much fun. Dancing all night. And I don't think we got home till like 4 o'clock in the morning. And so that was a lot of fun. My sister-in-law brought the kids to the party. And so they were so sweet. They looked so cute. Man, my niece um, was there uh, from Florida, and my nephew couldn't come because he was at a retreat. So, um, but oh my God, it was so amazing! It was so amazing. Ah, uh, that was a good night. And just looking at the room, it was so diverse, and just like different race, nationalities, profession, sexuality, like. It was just beautiful. It really was just beautiful. It made my heart full. It really did. Um, but the next day, we went on a hike that morning, and then my friend Madeline threw me a hot girl summer birthday brunch. That was lit. We played games and had chicken and waffles, and um, this artist came to perform for me, and... Yo, it was hella lit. I ain't gonna lie. Like, it was a lit weekend. But when I tell you, I was so ready for it to be over. I was so ready for it to be over. Like, you know, I often tell people, like, sometimes people just don't know the things that you go through. Like, at the end of the day, when you laying in that bed by yourself, not because you ain't got no man or a woman next to you, but... People who understand what I'm saying, understand what I'm saying. Like, when you alone in your bed and it's just you, there's no one there but you. You you only have you to look at. You know what I'm saying? And there's a sadness sometimes that hits you for, it could be for a whole lot of different reasons. Again, not just because romantically you ain't got nobody in the bed with you. But it's just something about nighttime like you know when you're just there there's nothing going on you're not moving you're not working you're not like on the computer like there's nothing to distract you from your thoughts and how you feel and so man there were some heavy nights there were some tough nights and there was a lot of like me holding myself together to get through all these things I had planned since the beginning of the year, even like before the beginning of the year, I knew I was throwing myself a 35th birthday party last year. <laughs> like we just started planning for it in January. Like, you know what I mean? But I already knew I was going to throw myself a 35th birthday party. It was going to be a soft launch. Like this was two years ago, you know, when I moved here. So it's like holding myself together to be able to get through all these things that I'm grateful for, you know? And I had an amazing time, but I was literally holding myself together 
to get to my ketamine treatments, like to actually start my mental health leave. I had no idea what I was actually setting myself up for or preparing for, but I knew I was done. I knew I was tired of holding myself together in pieces, like, you know what I mean? And it's not about me, oh, Michelle, you was doing too much. Like, you always trying to do this and you are, no, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about me doing too much as far as production, like productivity wise, like, you know, it was like, no, me doing too much emotionally, me not doing enough emotionally, like, like processing trauma, hurt, pain, and not confronting situations that I, I should, or having expectations of things that I shouldn't have, like living in a false reality, like showing up to a job that I hated for over a year before I decided it was time to go. You know, it was just sometimes there's a lot of things that are emotionally and mentally taxing. And for me, I came over to Utah with a bunch of crap on my shoulders, like a lot. And this was the time in which I had allowed myself to be like yo we working on you and anything that doesn't fit into the goal it has to go type situation you know and so I was literally holding myself together because emotionally mentally even going through therapy I was just going through so much there was a lot coming up that I had to deal with work through and then you have like personal situations where you know you have friends that were friends or you thought they were friends that just didn't have you in their best interest where it just turned into really toxic situations and it wasn't productive and and you're like damn again like you know what I mean like it's it's exhausting it's tiring it's tiring so there was just a lot I was going through and working through emotionally and mentally through therapy, through like getting up and going to the gym and reading those books and doing my journal. And like, I was doing a lot of work, you know what I mean? A lot of self work. And then you add on the civil unrest and then you add on all like the racial centered things that you experience here in Utah. And then you add on like people who say they love the Lord that just ain't really living that way. And that's kind of, hard of a thing for me to say because to a standard that other people might have I'm not living to a Christian standard either but um and so I don't take that back but I still said what I said but you know I'm just being honest from my experience I just it don't seem like you know I don't know I think that's just, just there's a right way to like allow people to be themselves and make their own decisions like you know and not try to impose what you believe on other people even if we share the same religion as christianity like you know i don't know um so yeah i meant what i said i ain't taking it back and you know you interpret that however you want to but yeah it's it it was a lot it still is a lot um 
And so when I sat down with those missionaries as they explained to me, this is what ketamine is and these are the treatments and this is the success rate that they experienced, I knew in that very moment that that was the next step for me. They told me to research it, think about it, pray about it, and, and you know circle back with them and let them know how I felt about it. But in that moment, I said, y'all talked to Jesus, didn't y'all? Y'all talked to Jesus this morning, didn't y'all? That's what I asked her. And she said, actually, yeah, I did. You know, at first, I wasn't going to say anything when I got the prompting because, you know, from what I know, you're a pretty happy-go-lucky person. You you have things together, and I would have never thought or that that's something that you struggle with. And I said, well, yeah, it is. And I don't need to pray about it. I already did. And I don't need to think about it because I'm doing it. I knew it was the next step for me. So after my birthday, you know, I'm entertaining folks. I'm super blessed and excited, thankful. But I was so happy when everyone left. <laughs> and I was so happy when everything was done. I had already had that team conversation with my team and let them know, hey, I'm stepping back. You know, I'm not, um, I'm going to be absent for a bit. And they were very supportive um, and made sure that I stayed true to that, that I wasn't overextending myself, working too hard and, and just doing too much, trying to do too much. A lot of people in my team stepped up. Um, they took on certain initiatives. They put certain things together. And man, I have a phenomenal team. Um, and so they're a great foundation for what we're about to build. So I'm super grateful. Shout out to y'all if y'all listen to this episode. Y'all know who y'all are. Um, but I was so ready. I was so ready to rest. I was so ready to not feel so heavy anymore and feel like I'm running away from myself. That was just, I was just ready to let go. I was just ready. And so I was praying and intentional about setting up like time to spend with people and to chat and like affirmations and things I would listen to and, and the books I wanted to read and places I wanted to go to be able to like write in my journal and process and I was really intentional during this time so it was a total of six treatments um, and ketamine is a medicine primarily used for starting and maintaining anesthesia um, it includes like um, anesthesia and a trance-like like, um, sedative that provides like pain relief, sedation, like, um, and people refer to it as like psychedelic um, treatments, basically. And so, um, essentially, uh, this is like treatments that they tried on like um, people who are alcoholics and drug addicts and um, people who have PTSD, um, depression, seizures, anxiety. And so now it's really used um, for treating depression and anxiety. Um, people use it for like for other reasons, obviously, if you're struggling with certain things like mental blocks. Um, 
but yeah so that's what ketamine is and um the treatments themselves i took at restorative health man let me tell you something about restorative health they're so they're so freaking awesome i love them so much each and every single last one of them have a very special place in my heart um that is a place where people if you're thinking about doing these ketamine treatments as you listen to this series um i highly recommend restorative health um restorative health is they're just phenomenal all those people that work there are just amazing so um it was a total of six treatments um i had a guide her name was jamie which jamie will be coming on the podcast super excited to have her she's amazing you guys you have a guy someone who takes you through your treatments and your treatments last for about 45 minutes to an hour and um man it, it was quite the experience to say the least so um yeah i was so ready for my first like session um especially when i met with jamie the first time she said something that just really just set me free and before you actually start your treatments they want to make sure that you're a good candidate for these treatments because they're expensive you know and it's not something that's cheap so they want to make sure that you're going to get the best out of your treatments right and so you have a consultation with jamie who's the guide and she kind of introduced you to like ketamine and telling you about it the history and how it helps if she shares her personal story and you know I was crying as I sat there and she had asked me like you know um, what I was feeling at that time and I just told her that I'm just I feel embarrassed I feel ashamed and um, she asked me well let's unpack that I was like I'm just scared like you know a little apprehensive of being here and she she said, well, let's unpack that. Like, why do you feel that way? And I said, well, I think me being here is a prideful thing that I'm thinking that here I am. Like, I can't fix myself. Like, I there's something wrong with me. I can't figure it out. And I have to admit that something's wrong with me. I can't fix myself and that I need help. And I started crying and I just felt very weak and very ashamed, embarrassed. And I felt so small and less than just admitting to myself that there was something wrong and that I couldn't fix it on my own and that I needed help. And she looked at me and she said, Michelle, you're just depressed. You're not a depressed person. And I could have just jumped out of my seat and hugged her because I felt so much freedom in what she said. It made me feel okay to know that I'm like, I'm a happy-go-lucky person. Like, I'm not necessarily like just this, you know, depressive person. Like, all the time, it's just, it comes in waves and when it does not all that great so she said that and I was like man this is this is it this is another confirmation that this is what the Lord 
you know, will want for me if I choose. So, you know, so yeah, I planned it out. And after my birthday, man, I was so ready. I'm so ready to feel free. And my first treatment was like heaven on earth. I tell you, I really felt extremely connected to God in that moment. I felt like I was talking to Jesus the whole time. It was hilarious. And I just felt so much more lighter, so much more connected with myself. And for me, it wasn't so much. I thought that it was going to be an overwhelming process for me. Like, dang, it's going to be a lot to have to deal with. But truth be told, I'm so glad I was doing the work, that I was going through therapy, that I had made a commitment to myself that I want to see myself, even if that isn't always so pleasant. And I'm going to tell you right now, ketamine ain't for the weak. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you. Because that is going to show you the depths of your soul. And if you're not ready to see that, just go ahead and play a safe player. Like, just go ahead and, uh, yeah, if you're not really to see, ready to see yourself um, in the depths of who you are. And it, it may not be things that you intentionally did, but there are going to be some things that come up you're not really going to like. And as we go through this series, I will identify with some of those things and share with you all like what were some of those things that I was able to become aware of and didn't like and some things that I did become aware of that provided clarity and was like I like that about me so you know it comes with the territory there's good and bad to all things so but yeah my first treatment was very I, throughout the whole thing there was a spiritual undertone for me because that's who I am as a person. So, yeah, I was talking to Jesus a lot and I felt really free. And I felt like a lot was just lifted off of me for, for I don't know how long I've been carrying it, you know. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a while. It's been a lot of things to, to, to unpack and... Even the work that I'm doing right now through therapy, even after these ketamine treatments, man, it's it's still heavy work. It is still heavy work. But, well, you guys, I guess that's where we're going to start off for this uh, series. Again, this series is called An Active State of Depression, as you see the title, and um we're just going to go through some areas where now, looking back, I can see when I was a functional, depressed person. Like, where I was a functional person who was extremely anxious. And, and somehow, with the grace of God, translated that into a high level of productivity, which is good. But man, I felt so empty on the inside, you know. The moment where I'm at in my bed and I'm just like, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything. Like, all these great things are happening, but I don't feel connected to this stuff at all. You know, so anyways, 
we'll go through a lot of those things. And if you guys have any questions or concerns, y'all know to just slide in my DMs. Send us an email. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to answer or connect you guys to any of the resources that are here in Utah. Um, so, I think you guys, that's where we're going to end this first episode of the new series, An Active State of Depression. Like I said, I have a few old people coming on, some new people coming on, and we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep it real, keep it raw, keep it transparent. And um, in hopes that, you know, my journey will be able to help people feel more comfortable with discovering what their path to healing is. And so, until next time, you guys, be good to yourselves, be good to each other. Peace.